Hello, y'all. You can probably tell that I have quite the stuffy nose. We are down for the count at the Mayfield house. We've all been sick for a while, and so we were not able to record this week's episode, but we wanted to do a replay of a Christmas episode from a couple of years ago in which we tell an embarrassing story about me. So without further ado, here's a replay of a very special Christmas episode. I'm Crispin. In this podcast, we will be listening to the Adventures in Odyssey radio show that has been put out by Focus on the Family for the past 30 years. If you grew up evangelical like us, there's a good chance you've heard an episode or two. We'll be on the lookout for themes and messages in the show that coincide with and sometimes depart from God's vision for his kingdom in the world. Thanks for listening with us. Danielle's getting pumped up over here, listening to some MXPX Christmas music. That's it. We don't have to keep that in there. Hi, welcome to the special Christmas episode of the Prophetic Imagination Station, the podcast where uh, we dissect dominant culture and evangelical artifacts, right? Right. We're branching out. Uh-huh. We're not going to just do Adventures in Odyssey anymore. Right. In I, fact, we're not going to talk about Adventures in Odyssey. Not this. today. Right. Not today, Satan. But you're not Satan. <laughs> no. I we're going to get to Satan. Not in this episode, but someone's coming up, which we'll talk about. I'm D.L. Mayfield. I'm a writer. Try to be a good neighbor. And I am your wife. And I am Crispin. And I'm a therapist and grew up in evangelical culture and also your husband. Okay, so I was thinking we should like do a different tag where we're like an ethical idealist, an attachment <laughs> therapist, talk about Christian stuff. Right, yeah. Is that but, a better tag? Yeah. I need to check with my friend Paul that talks about these themes in scripture of like God's unconditional like compassion, love. And the absolute severity of the world are like these two tensions. Oh my gosh, that's us! <laughs> I know, right? I'm the absolute severity of the world. Tag right. yourself. You're. And I'm like the compassion, like endless kindness of God. Oh my gosh! <laughs> that's incredible. Right. That's us. And we're here to talk about one of my favorite things ever, which is Christmas. But specifically, we do want to talk about like american evangelical christmas stuff Mm -hmm. right yes so before we get into talking about some of our experiences growing up i wanted to ask you a question okay so crispin also really likes christmas and i wanted to share an embarrassing story (laughs) do you know what i'm gonna talk about not a question it's not a question (laughs) i do know what you're gonna talk about do you want to say it or do you want me to say it so a few years ago crispin put together a a Spotify playlist all about sexy Christmas songs. Which ties into <laughs> evangelical Christmas. Why? Tell, tell the good listeners. Because uh, when I was a kid, my parents... Had, so John Tesh is this Christian piano I've player. never heard of him, so he can't be that Christian. Uh, I want to hear about it on the Twitter. From on the Twitters? <laughs> yes. Do you know, yeah. Well, ask the Twitters if they know John Tesh. Ev- yeah. People know John Tesh. As an evangelical? Yeah. Okay. And so he was like, even, it was like Christian instrumental music, yeah. right? So it was mostly yeah. like piano versions of worship uh-huh. songs, right? Right. But he had a Christmas album. Uh-huh. And on the front of the album was him and his wife. Okay. And on the back of the album was just their clothes and her black underwear laying out on the couch I, okay, in I, front of the fire. I, I just can't believe you, except you have found evidence of this on the internet. I showed I it to me. I proved it to you. And it's real. Yes. And that like really imprinted itself on your sexual imagination when you yeah. were... Yeah, probably like 10. A tween. <laughs> right. 
10 so, or 12. So Crispin has a thing for sexy Christmas songs, and he made a playlist on Spotify. Mm-hmm. Um, but called then, Sexy Christmas. Called Sexy Christmas. And then one of our friends like reached out to him and was like, did you know that that playlist is public <laughs> and everybody can see it? And- <laughs> I was mortified. He was mortified. I thought it was awesome. Christmas can be sexy. Right. It's true. But I didn't grow up with John Tesh. And I, I grew up with a deeply unsexy Christmas stuff that we can talk about today. Right. There's a lot about Christmas that is unsexy. So both of us grew up very evangelical, deep in the heartlands of evangelicalism. I think we've proven our creds here time and time again. Right. But let's talk about some weird stuff that evangelicals did in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s. Because that's our sweet spot. Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a late millennial. Mm-hmm. Right. You're a millennial. Too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, we're both millennials. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, what? it's hard to know like what's normal and what's not normal. And, you know, what is it that stands out to you as like particularly evangelical about Christmas? Yeah, I think I grew up really recognizing that I needed to be a little bit anxious if I was like loving Jesus enough during Christmas time because mm. when you're a kid, of course, you really do care about presents and all the other stuff that makes it magical, right? Like lights and hot chocolate and it, basically anything a Hallmark movie says is about Christmas. Like even when you're a little kid, if you are middle class or something like that, you're going to experience some of those things and it's awesome, right? Mm-hmm. But then you have this undercurrent pressure of like, well, you better make sure you care about Jesus more than that. And like what Uh kid does? Right. No kid does. I will say I tried. I would like get up after everybody else went to bed in my family and I would like go out and sit on my couch and like look at the Christmas tree with all the lights and like try and be meditative, even though I didn't know. Oh my gosh, I did the same thing. I mean, we are M-F-E-O, right? Right. And so that doesn't surprise me about you because we're both anxious kids, right? Right. And so just trying to be like, thank you, God, for this time. And I really need to just slow down and like recognize that God loves me. I was like, why does a nine-year-old need to slow down? Mm -hmm. My life was amazing back then, you know? Right. And then, you know, it wasn't until like, what, mid-20s that I even knew about the church calendar and something called Advent and all that. Now everybody's obsessed with Advent. And actually, I I was just on a podcast and somebody was mentioning that the reason we all kind of know more about these other areas of like how different churches and different streams practice faith is because of the internet. And I was like, that kind of makes a lot of sense. Like if you just grew up like I did, you know, we were just non-denominational. We don't come from anyone. We just read the Bible and do it. And, you know, we were, it was really ahistorical, which we've talked mm-hmm. about on this podcast before and why that's really problematic. But now thanks to the internet, yeah, I'm like, oh my gosh, Advent's a thing. And that really speaks to this like longing um, for the world to actually be made new and mm-hmm. kind of speaks to like maybe what we as kids were feeling was missing mm-hmm. and that pressure of like cultural Christianity has to win out. Right. So my family was not huge into the culture wars. I will right. say, I mentioned on Twitter being forced to watch the Charlie Brown Christmas special like every year. And people took umbrage with that. They're like, what do you mean forced? It's amazing. Mm. It's like, okay, let's set the scene here. <laughs> it is a fine cartoon. I like it. And what yeah. kid doesn't want to watch cartoons? So I was into that, right? Mm-hmm. But there was this sense like we all had to watch it as a family. And we all had to like wait for that point when Linus read the scriptures and it all got quiet. Mm. And then there's a sense like we all looked at each other like, see, like the Bible's on prime time, you know, ABC, like, oh my gosh, like God is here and the scriptures, it, you know, and right. as a kid, you're like, oh yeah, this is a big deal. I'm supposed to <laughs> mm-hmm. care. Do you, I don't know. Did, did you have that experience? No, like I didn't, it wasn't until like high school that I knew about, like I watched Charlie Brown a little bit. But not really. So we are definitely the like Frosty the Snowman and, you know, claymation sort of stuff. I mean, claymation Christmas is the best. Yes. But like my, I remember my dad in particular, just like, that's, you know, that's what they say in the show. It's like, this is what Christmas is all about. Right. Yeah. And it's funny. Somebody, yeah, it wasn't until high school that someone pointed that out to me. I was like, oh, that's interesting. For me, Advent. I always thought that that was part of evangelical culture, and as I was, oh really, yeah, and as I've like grown up, or like I was, I'm looking for resources. I'm like they're mostly like mainline resources yeah. online, 
So I don't know why that is because I came from a very like non-denom church, but I do remember like there was this huge ass wreath at the front of the church. Wow, that, you are mainline. You said ASS. Right, exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, it was like five feet across, right? And they lit a candle each week. Uh-huh. And like I got chosen no. one year because a kid would go up and light the candle, right? I think that's awesome. That right. Was, that was, wow. I know. And I was thinking about that. And I'm like, I think that was uh, an experience kind of like you would get in a mainline church where you get to be part of the tradition. Yes. Right, in a way where you feel really special, and it's different than like performing in a pageant, right? Right. So we haven't even talked about pageants yet. So right. I think what's fascinating is evangelicals. You're supposed to be obsessed with Jesus, and yet non-denominational people like myself, we had really divorced ourselves from history, right? And so mm-hmm. from the traditions, and a part of that could be like some anti-Catholic sentiment and, you know, mm-hmm. mainline churches were liberal, blah, blah, blah. There's so much to go into there. But we were definitely part of the tradition of, like, doing church plays. And mm-hmm. especially when I was a little kid, my dad was at, like, bigger churches, um, particularly when we lived in Anchorage, Alaska, for some reason. Our church would do these, like, huge Christmas productions that were sort of, like, evangelism, mm-hmm. you know, experiences. Mm-hmm. And the first year we were there... It was a story of like cats and mice and like Jesus brings them together, you know, Mm -hmm. instead of wanting to kill each other. And I was a cat, like full face makeup, kind of like the show Cats. But don't (laughs) don't Google that trailer because it's terrifying. But I I remember I was a cat for most of it. But then during this one scene, it was like a Christmas dinner scene. I had to dress up as a dancing can of tuna. Which you hate. I hate I hate tuna, but the point right. is, I was literally a dancing can of tuna in a Christmas play. It's sort of like Love Actually, yes! right? Yeah, there's actually two lobsters at the birth of Jesus, right? There was a dancing can of tuna. Wow, not at the birth of Jesus, but like in a Jesus right. play. And then the mm-hmm. next year, we even rented out like the huge theater downtown Anchorage and did this whole production. Wow, and I was angel in that one. Yeah, that I had a similar experience in Little Roseburg, Oregon. There's this Christian dance company. In two years, I was like the star of the. It was basically this narrative that wove. Basically, had two goals. One is to weave together all these dances that all these like classes were performing, mm-hmm. and the other was to like like lead a recital, up, right? Yeah, okay. and the other, of course, was to like lead up to like an evangelistic like pitch. Um, but yeah, I like was this four, fifth grader and I fell asleep and was awoken by the Holy Spirit who was like the 17-year-old girl who did ballet. And that I you totally had a crush on. Totally had a crush on. I know this before you even said this. Right, you never yeah. told me this story. I mean, I had a crush on like all of the exactly. girls. Exactly. Exactly. Right? Um, yeah. And that was like, but two years in a row and we got tickets and the tickets we could give to our friends at school to get them to come so that they would hear about Jesus. Wow. Right? And I remember, like, the tickets were, like, you only got so many, but they were, like, very special. Right. And so there is this sense that, like, as evangelical Christians, we're sort of working a little bit against cultural Christmas, right, in the United States. Right. But also we embrace it. Mm -hmm. And so there's this tension that I feel like was never fully articulated for me. But, you know, other people deal with it in some ways, like birthday cakes for Jesus, right? Mm-hmm, right. People did that, I guess. Yeah. I feel like maybe we did that once or twice, but I could be wrong. Right. But your family did St. Nicholas Day, right? right. Mm-hmm. I actually like the way that we did that. We just, so, like, I think St. Nicholas Day is early in December, so we did stockings during that time and talked mm-hmm. about who St. Nicholas was. It was like, you don't have to, like, fight against Santa. Right? You're just like, yeah, this is who he was, and which I thought was great. Oh my gosh, is it time to talk about Santa? Uh, yeah. I feel like is. Santa's the elephant in the room. <laughs> okay. Okay. Right. So, yeah, let's talk about Santa. What do you want to say first? Because um, I have big thoughts. Yeah, I, I don't have big thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> I just think about the, like, people always say, like, you treat God like he's Santa, like he's just going to give you what you want. But that's not how Santa works. No. You have to be good uh-huh. in order to get what you want, which actually you is like... You also have to have ha- parents with a disposable income, but that's whatever. True. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I know, I know where you're going okay. with this. 
just so, so take it from you're, here. No, you're talking like as a therapist. Well, no, I'm just saying like people a lot of times will use that as like a, how do we relate to God? Like you just treat God like Santa, like he'll give you whatever you want. But that's not how, like, it's like the pastor is forgetting that that's not actually how Santa works. You Santa works. Not pout. You better not cry. Right. Santa works a lot like the God that we sing about when it says, like, be careful little eyes what you see. Be careful little ears what you hear, which is a whole other thing. That's a whole other thing. But yeah, like, Santa is this omniscient judging being mm-hmm. that makes us feel guilt and shame. Okay. <laughs> okay, anyway. That's all I got. That's all you got. Yeah. Tell me about what do you think about Santa? Yeah, I was just waiting for you to ask me. And here I go. Okay. Santa is the worst. If I could snap my fingers and be Thanos and just make it so that the myth of Santa has never existed. And every stupid Christmas movie about Santa is just wiped off the face of our earth. I would do it in a second. I think our world would be instantly better. And I would go to sleep happy. Mm. It's the stupidest thing ever. And it only works if you're middle class and have money. And it's a total burden on people who are poor. And it just sucks, especially as we live in an increasingly pluralistic society. It doesn't work for everybody. It's not a cultural myth that works for everybody. And therefore, it should be abolished. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to start like a thing called Abolish Santa. (laughs) Okay. Sounds good. But what's funny is like I have all these strong feelings. And then I realize like I am like an evangelical mom in the eighties. Cause some of them were like that. And they were mm. like, Santa is, you know, Santa is just like Satan. Right. <laughs> yeah. Switch two letters around. Right, I'm yeah. basically like that, but for some uh-huh. different reasons, but still it kind of freaks me out that I am right. echoing the conservatives mm. of the eighties. Mm-hmm. But like, I remember when I was like six, maybe five or six, I asked my mom, like, is Santa real? And she's like, I'm not going to lie to you. No. I was like, okay. Yeah. It wasn't a big deal, but it was because we were homeschooled, so it's not like anybody. So I think I've shared with a few people, like on Instagram or something, that we don't really do Santa with our kids, and a lot of people are like, "Oh my gosh, like how do you get your kids to like not tell other kids and like mm. disabuse them of that notion of Santa?" I was just like, "We live in a very diverse neighborhood, and like nobody believes in Santa." And right. I love it. Our school doesn't do any cultural Christian anything, which mm-hmm. is good because. The way Christians celebrate Christmas should not be appropriate in a school. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It right. should be so deeply religious uh-huh. that it's not appropriate right. in a pluralistic uh, setting like a, a public mm-hmm. school should be. And so I'm just like, yeah, abolish all this cultural Christmas stuff. It doesn't work mm-hmm. for our neighborhood. Right? right. Yeah. Totally. And it makes kids feel horrible. Uh-huh. I don't, I just don't see what, what is good about it. Right. I don't care about magic. Yeah. Is that terrible to say? No. Right. Kids' I lives think, are hard enough than right. to wake up on Christmas morning and be like, am I a horrible kid? Why didn't Santa come for me? Right. And like, what's the alternative to Christmas magic? The alternative, if, if we're still running with this cultural narrative, the alternative is we get together with people we care about and give gifts to each other. Mm-hmm. Like, that seems, like, just as good, right? Like, it is a celebratory time. Well, and most cultures have some kind of framework like that. Right. right? So us No, being, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. yeah. And so us being friends with, like, Muslims, I'm like, oh, yeah, for, like, Eid and stuff, yeah, they sometimes buy their kids new clothes and mm-hmm. maybe a few little presents. Sometimes people give money, like, you know, at right. Diwali or all these things. But it's nothing like the consumeristic free-for-all that Christmas is. Mm-hmm. And that is because of corporations. Right. Totally. Yeah. It's really interesting. So in China, because I was a missionary kid in China, during Chinese New Year. That's a good flex right there. Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, just for context. Uh, in China, during Chinese New Year, things shut down for like two weeks. For Chinese New Year. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's like like it's everybody goes home and rather than it being like the biggest consumer month of the year, it's... Actually, like, everything just slows to a halt because everybody's just with their family, which I think is great. Right. And so, like, even the economy shuts down Uh a little bit. Well, Christmas is the opposite. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I just feel like the older I get, the more I'm like, Advent is cool. Advent is about waiting. Advent is about being slightly pissed off at God because the social order has not yet been 
overturned Mm -hmm. like we were promised with Emmanuel. And so we wait for his coming again. Um, But yeah, cultural Christmas, like, of course I have nostalgia for it, but that honestly, I feel like each year that goes by, I I lose a little bit less of that with each Mm -hmm. year, which is surprising. Mm -hmm. I used to be the kind of kid when I was 13, I would like find the VHSs of all the Christmas specials my dad had taped and watch them just to feel happy again Mm -hmm. for one second. Right. Because that's the kind of person I am. Um, but I do think we what we did want to discuss an evangelical artifact, and talking about Santa is a good segue into this. So I sort of forced you to watch something, Crispin. Right. And I like it. So this is going to be interesting. We're talking about something that I actually like, kind of. I'm not saying I love it. Mm-hmm. But I can't believe I'm even saying this. VeggieTales did a great job when talking about the real St. Nick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe not great. I would say great. The, the, I, thought, I thought it was really interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah. So we, tonight with our children, we watched VeggieTales, the story of St. Nicholas. Mm-hmm. What's the title? Yeah, something like something that. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Just Google that. Right. You'll find it. Yeah. And St. Nicholas. You'll YouTube. St. <laughs> <Saint> Nicholas <laughs> is a little spicy pepper. Mm-hmm. Did you know that was what kind of vegetable he was? Oh, no. I thought that he was a carrot. No. Oh. His stem. See, I told you we should have actually paid to watch it so we wouldn't just see pixelated blocks. You hate the pixels. I like free. <laughs> right. And I, w- I needed to know that our listeners could find this for free and they could also watch it on the YouTubes. Right. Which you can. Slightly pixelated. Mm-hmm. Um, But yeah, I think like <coughs> most people don't really know... The origins of Santa Claus, right? Mm-hmm. St. Nicholas. And VeggieTales went there. They really went there. What did you think about it? Yeah. Or do you I want to recap it? Right, yeah. I thought it was great. Um, I think they did a lot of things great. Uh, you should recap it. Well, it basically just starts with this little Christmas town, and Junior Asparagus has some money from his parents, and there's this whole song about, like, what can I buy with my Christmas money? And I wonder what I'm going to get on Christmas morning. But then there's like this carrot dad and his truck breaks down. He can't deliver his packages and his carrot daughter's like really sad and blah, blah, blah. Then Bob and Larry sort of gather the kids around and start telling them the real story of St. Nick. And then we're like transported to ancient Greece, like in the Mm -hmm. third century or whatever. I like that Bob and Larry were part of the story. It had a little bit like Christmas Carol feel to it in that way. Oh, they were like the Rizzo. Right. And Gonzo characters. Well, just like in the... Yeah. I'm talking Muppet Christmas Carol like it's it's canon. I like that you just jumped straight there. When you say Christmas Carol, my mind says Muppets. Right. So they're the Rizzo and the Gonzo of this particular Christmas. Right, yeah. Well, yeah, just basically that they... Well, that's true. But also just that idea of like the person watching this... The character that you're focused on is actually a person watching the story that's happening. Yeah, and I think that was really interesting what, what they did with that. So right. so we'll get to that. So then it's sort of the story of Nicholas in Greece, and his parents were Christians and kind of were trying to teach him to share with people. And they did a lot for their community, but then they get sick and died. And then Nicholas sort of gets overwhelmed with the amount of people like coming to him for help, and he flees. And then he's like on a ship for a few years, they ends up going to Bethlehem. I don't actually know if any of this. Is I know I wanted to accurate. fact check the whole time. I don't but I didn't. think I would say like twenty percent is probably historically accurate. But actually, it's really hard to figure out what is historically accurate about mm. Nicholas because what was written about him was like written dec- like centuries after his death. So, okay. anyways, then he like you know meets Jesus in Bethlehem or something, which seemed mm-hmm. very evangelical. Goes back to his town in Greece, but also. I mean, what what it was was like Bethlehem had at that point, according to VeggieTales, become uh-huh. a shrine, yeah. right? And like looking at like what's the difference between a shrine and like people buying lots of things to celebrate Jesus. Oh yeah, and in Bethlehem he meets that nun, right? Yeah, who's like in the Church of the Nativity giving out bread to the poor, mm-hmm. and he's like, "What are you doing?" She's like, "I'm giving bread to the poor. What are you doing?" And I was like, "I'm in love with this <laughs> this P nun." Right. Right? I don't yeah. know if she was a peak. She was really tall. Right. But, yeah, Tallest our kids... P.I. ever so, Sometimes our kids are really into, like, what kind of vegetables are they? How can they move things without hands? And it does interrupt the flow of the narrative sometimes. That's because true. Because I don't understand all the rules of Veggie Town world. 
Mm-hmm. And I never have. And I never will. Ransom at one point was like, I saw a hand. <laughs> <laughs> Which he didn't. Right. But I think, I was like, is he just, is that all he's watching? <laughs> right. Is for the hands? <laughs> um. So the, the nun was cool. And then he goes back. And there's like a mean governor now, and he's like gonna tax anybody if they give gifts to people. And so these three girls like get in trouble for giving cookies away, mm-hmm. and then Nicholas decides to give in secret. And because they yes, and, and because they were giving cookies away and were caught, then they had to go to jail without paying a fine, which they didn't have money for. Right, and so he ends up sneaking around, and over three consecutive nights, like puts money in their socks that they hang over the wall to pay their fine. That's like it, right? right. And that's mm-hmm. it. And so uh, what's fascinating about this is like throughout it, Larry keeps being like, well, where's the Christmas lights and where's the snow? Mm-hmm. And like changing little things about the story, like as it's happening, like, well, can we change the girl's stockings to red at least? And mm-hmm. um, I thought it was a really interesting way of, like gently easing children into the fact that we have completely lied to them <laughs> about Santa Claus. Uh-huh. And I am left feeling like a lot of existential horror, like, oh my gosh, like how could this story turn into what it is? Hmm. I find it terrifying. I'm not sure like all kids would think that, but there is the sense of like, oh my gosh, I didn't know this. And Bob's like, yeah, most people don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, Why? I think I think it's okay to ask that question. Mm-hmm. Like, why has Santa turned into what it is, and why is like Veggie Tales the only thing I've ever seen that even tries to tell the historical story of Saint Nicholas? What do you I think? I don't know. Right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It is really. I think part of it is that I'm really struck the difference between giving gifts to the poor and giving gifts to like people that give you gifts in return, which Jesus talked about by the way. Uh, but that seems to be like the, like what a lot, what it allows us to do. Right. So we start with this person that is working against injustice and being generous. And we end up with people going into debt to buy their family members, things that they don't need. Yeah. Right, and I think I don't know what it is exactly that that sh- like where that shifted, but well, it's because companies have had targeted marketing campaigns right. for hundreds of years now at this point to mm. encourage people to buy and to say that is what give, that's what will make you feel happy, and so that's kind of what this episode was about was Nicholas being like, what will actually make me happy and. What's, what was interesting is they were trying to say, like, giving gifts won't make you happy. So even, like, that nun lady giving bread to the poor and even mm-hmm. Nicholas going and helping these girls, like, that's not what made him happy. What made him happy is, like, the fact that Jesus loved him enough to die on the cross for him. You know, like, all right, this yeah. evangelical stuff. And out of that happiness, you give. You don't give to be happy. You are happy because of God's love, and then you give. Mm-hmm. Which sounds great, but, you know... As a, as a kid who grew up in the church, I would just watch that and be like, I know I'm supposed to feel happy. I know I'm supposed to feel like God loves me, mm-hmm. but I don't. And so since I don't, I'm going to then go give to the poor and at least try and scrounge mm-hmm. up a bit of happiness there. And that mm-hmm. worked for me for a really, really long time. Mm-hmm. And I still think I am struggling with that fundamental concept is we give out of happiness and I think I still sometimes get stuck in like I serve others because I I want to be loved by God. I don't mm. I don't actually feel the love of God that often in my life. Right. Yeah. A question that I had wanted to bring into this and ask you. Oh. Is what do you think Christmas is about? Well, um, I do think that Advent is so beautiful in allowing us to express our longing. For God's dream to be truly revealed. I think there's all these amazing elements of the upside down kingdom, you know, in the nativity story. Mm-hmm. And the older I get, the more I think about the liturgy that's been super powerful for people who are poor and are oppressed, like Mary's Magnificat, right? Mm-hmm. It's just super revolutionary and has nothing to do with cultural American Christmas. And so Danielle has been asking me for a long time to find a spatula that says he sends the rich away hungry. 
I know. I'm like, just freaking craft me one (laughs) so I can like cook food with a spatula with the words for the Magnificat. And so really letting myself uh, sort of be immersed in the revolutionary liturgy of what it means to have a savior who was crucified by empire be born. Mm-hmm. You know, and just just recognizing God is here. Also recognizing that so many cultures do have these holidays in the middle of winter because it is a dark time and we do all have a hope that the light will come again. And um yeah, just finding a little bit of solidarity with recognizing our longings. Um our global longings and I see it revealed in Jesus. Um, it'll be interesting because like this year, our kids are going to be in a pageant at our church. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have a pretty churchy Christmas again this year. Um, and I'm fine with our kids watching kind of stupid Christmas stuff, but it's weird. This is like the first year I haven't wanted to watch all this stuff. And you know why? Why? It's because I watched 10 freaking Hallmark Christmas movies for yeah. a piece it's coming out in the Washington Post pretty soon. And so I think I'm just in a really bad place when it comes to, like, cultural Christmas. Right. I'm in a dark, deep, dark place. I thought it was going to be fun no. to write this article. Anyway. Have you seen my mental torment, Christmas? Yes. It yes. has been. I have not. There have been some of these movies I have not been able to tear myself away from because they're just such train wrecks. But I think... The reason I asked that, like, what is the meaning of Christmas is because I think that is tied into the joy part, right? Like, I think we can only have that joy if we, like, under- like have a meaning that makes sense to us of, like, why it was good news that Jesus came. And I don't think cultural Christmas, like, offers that. No. Right? And, yeah, like, I think, like, the fact that God came and was born in a stable, right? is means so much for like the way that things shouldn't be in the world. Yeah. But even that, like as I say those phrases, I'm like, it just sounds like I'm repeating Christian-y things. It's okay. And I think that's just a part of being us growing up in this world and you deconstruct from some of it and you start to reclaim other parts of it. And then right. you engage with other traditions and the larger world and it illuminates whole new parts of it. Mm-hmm. So it is exciting, but it's also like, it's okay to be over some of it, I right. think. Yeah. What do you think? I don't know. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I was thinking, so we found uh, Tooth and Nail's Christmas uh, albums, I guess, whatever they were. Compilations. Compilations. There we go. So Happy Christmas Volume 2. Uh-huh, right, which was the best one. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, yeah. So we are listening to that today. And uh, there's a song by The Normals on mm-hmm. there called Peace Child, which is just like one of the best Christmas songs ever. Oh my gosh, chills. Right, ever. So good. And I was thinking today about me being 16 years old, mm-hmm. being a missionary kid, walking around with my headphones on at night listening to that song and being like, I'm in a city of 12 million people in a country of many, many more that don't yeah. know who Jesus yeah. is at all. So why did he even come? Yeah. Like, I'm listening to all this Christmas music about, like, celebration, like, Jesus has come. And then what does it even matter if 2,000 years later there's, like, mass groups of people that will never get the chance to hear, like, know his name? Yeah. That's how what I was like as a 16-year-old. <laughs> well, this is a deep question. Right. Isn't it? Yeah. Which I think is sort of the hollowness of the joy of Christmas. And it really speaks to like the, the hyper-focus on individualism, right? That is mm-hmm. within evangelicalism. I think it's within a consumeristic culture as well. And we all need to be put in these situations where we're forced to be like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. If this only works for a few people. That's right. how it's my thoughts with Santa. Mm-hmm. If it only works for some. Right. Abolish it. Abolish Santa. Let's get that... Uh, trending abolish santa except for black santa we are taking our kids to see black santa because he's coming to our church uh anyways okay so veggie tales i liked it i didn't have a lot to deconstruct i mean except all that language of like god loving me sometimes with kids i just i just want them to know like you don't have to you don't have to try and feel it mm-hmm. he, he just loves you right. and it's okay if you don't feel that and Mm-hmm. rest of that that's just something i thought about 
as I watched that. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think it's really uh, problematic. It's interesting because when we have traditions like mainline Protestantism or Catholicism, right, it is you do these things that remind you of God's love. But evangelicalism is all about, like, this personal relationship. Mm -hmm. But within that is, like, and you have to feel that you're close to God, which is problematic. And what we're going to talk about in our my Splinter Off uh, podcast about attachment. Woohoo! We're very excited about that. So I will say, I think it's funny that we haven't really talked about, like, culture, war, Christmas stuff. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we can do that next year or if we magically get... 38 more Patreons in the next few weeks. We, we can do an extra episode for them. Um, but I do think this VeggieTales episode on St. Nicholas, I think it I think it addressed the culture more in the best possible sense. Yeah. Right? Like, instead of reclaiming Christ in Christmas, which you show me this horrible song. From an album called Yo Ho Ho, which was supposed to be a mix of rap and Christmas, but it ended up sounding like Pirates, and it was by DC Talk. And I other still can't artists. believe this exists. The song I was talking about was this group called ETW, okay. which stands for End Times Warriors. Oh. Anyway, wow. it was called You Can't Spell Christmas Without Christ. Right. And so I do remember some hysteria about people spelling Christmas like Xmas. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that? Yeah, right. It's in the song. Oh. It says, like, you say that it stands for Jesus, but what are we? We're not in Greece. We live in America, yo. <gasps> Yeah. Also, right. they talk about how Christmas is the time to celebrate Jesus' birth and his desire to unite our nation again. <laughs> like how make America great again? Right. How do you slip nationalism into a Christmas? Well, you do. Hip hop song. You just do. <laughs> so yeah, I'm like instead of saying we're you know keep Christ in Christmas, let's reclaim the historical Saint Nicholas. Yeah. I mean. I that and that to me seems like the best way to start this conversation with kids to be like all of this cultural stuff isn't religion it's it's nationalism and consumerism right yeah it's an economy it's civic religion oh that's about that's like a fancy way of saying it. that's a smart <laughs> way of saying it yeah. and i just hope that we will be able to like help our kids articulate some of that dissonance they feel. Mm. But again, like I think Ramona's so lucky. They they don't do any Santa, any Christmas stuff at her school. And that's mm. how it should be. Mm -hmm. Honestly. Yeah. Like she's going to be at our church. She is the angel Gabriel and gets to read Gabriella. it. Gabriela. And Gabriela, that's what she wants to be. <laughs> um and that's how it should be. Like it is our church. We are doing this and I'm very excited for her. Um because I I want to make this distinction between this cultural stuff. And also, I know she already feels a little bad. Like, I'm just really excited about presents. I'm like, yeah, you're a kid. You should be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's right. okay. And it's still a really cool time where we get to do some of these rituals. So you made us our own little advent wreath, right? How many years ago was that? I want to say I took, we took it to Minneapolis. Yeah, we did. Right? Did, is yeah. this tiny little cardboard thing that he used to have glitter on it? <laughs> yes, it is not great. It is not great, and but that's why it is great. It has lasted since 2012. We should take a picture of it. Right. And we do Advent with our kids, and we always sing O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. We do it every Sunday, and then we talk about things, and like our kids usually don't listen, but mm -hmm. we ask them to listen for sparkles, like if God is speaking to them through the passage and, and all this stuff. And Ransom loves Okamakami Manual because it has his name in it. Uh -huh. And so it's just this really special time and it doesn't feel weird or forced. And maybe it is a tiny bit. And that's okay. Right, yeah. It literally is like five to ten minutes. But it's really cool. Yeah. And our kids ask for it. Right. That's cool. I think that's cool. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's great. Okay. Are we done talking about this? Yeah. Okay. I have a quick question for you. Okay. What's the best... Christmas movie of all time. Christmas hates it when I just like throw questions at him, which is why I like to do it. What? I feel like there's one that I... Okay. Best Christmas movie of, yeah, all, time of all time is While You Were Sleeping, obviously. <gasps> 
I just Obviously. fell so in love with you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> While I was sleeping. It true. <laughs> Wait, that's While you were not... podcasting, right, yeah. I fell in love with you. Um, While yeah. my brother was sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a great movie. Okay, what's the most underrated Christmas movie? The Little Troll Prince. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I like it. Nobody's heard of that. That's true. But it's good? Yeah. Okay. It's weird. It's one of the, it's like a, anyway, it's, it's a good little movie about a troll who learns that even though he does horrible things all the time, God loves him. And then his heart starts beating again. Okay. Okay. Attachment therapist. We get it. <laughs> okay. My favorite Christmas movie of all time is the first half of While You Were Sleeping, Lost in New York City. Okay. My favorite Christmas special of all time is the Claymation Christmas one. The most underrated movie is Millions. Oh. Which is now on Disney Plus and everybody should watch it. And it's amazing. It has saints and a child who sees saints, takes place at Christmas time, is actually kind of dark and foreboding, but also really amazing and brilliant. It makes me cry. Yeah. Most overrated Christmas movie? I'm going to say it's National Lampoon's Holiday Christmas Vacation, whatever. Or The Santa Claus. Ooh. I I like the Santa Claus. I would say a Christmas story. Oh, that's true. Right. I mean, it's fine and all, it's but fine. it's overrated. It terrified me sure. as a child. And now as an adult, I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. whatever. Right. Yeah. That's it. What else do we have to talk about? Well, I was going to say, we got, um, we've just been enjoying hearing from people on our Patreon. <gasps> people are telling us about things. We have a Patreon. Yes. And, um, so yeah, you guys can check that out. Um, what really stood out to me was, um, Bethany Bassett, hopefully I'm saying your name right, uh-huh. uh, talking about pageants and, um, it, her church, they had dessert theater, which was an original musical with an intermission for pie, Ooh. which I imagine at Christmas time. Yes. Especially if it's an original musical. It was like probably some lady that really wanted, or a man that uh-huh. wanted to write their own musical. Uh-huh. And then the pastor was like, "We're probably going to have to make it clear that there will be pie in this to get people to come." And that's I would come, right? Yeah, to a pie thing, right? Even having to sit through. Think about all the horrible and delightful like dramas that have been written. You know, by volunteers throughout the years that everyone has sat through. And God churches. bless the church. <laughs> right. That's what I miss about our uh, Mennonite church. There were so many skits. I don't miss that, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> but, yeah, it'll be fun to see our kid in a Christmas pageant coming up here. I'll, I'll maybe post some photos. Maybe not. Who knows? Um... Yeah, we. I think we should talk about Patreon just for a second. We actually did go ahead and start our Patreon account. We've already hit like two of our goals already, um, and you guys are awesome. It's been really fun, and we're trying to figure out how to start like a Facebook group so we can interact in a more easy fashion. But it's been fabulous and really encouraging, and we have. I think we're at sixty-two Patreons, and so if we get up to a hundred, then we are going to be able to have the bandwidth to have like once a month patreon only podcasts mm-hmm. episodes which will be really fun so i could do one on hallmark christmas movies if that's what people wanted because we would probably ask you guys what you would want to listen to but it's been so lovely um i i did patreon all wrong and i did it on purpose because i don't like hierarchy and so you can sign As up was clear during the santa <laughs> discussion <laughs> so we have three tiers you can support us at and you don't really get anything special if you give us more money. So if you just want to sign up for the lowest one, which is basically the price of a McDonald's cup of coffee, a dollar fifty, And like your support means the world to us. It means we can invest in this podcast and we can be excited to know there's invested people listening and wanting to talk to us and talk about evangelical things like rollerblading routines to CCM music. Like multiple <laughs> people share that they did this. And I was like, I truly thought I was the only one. Wow. I know. Right. So Crispin, you are already working on your attachment podcast, mm-hmm. which who knows how long it's going to take, but it's going to be good. Mm-hmm. It's going to be real good when it comes out. I am in the throes of working on our season four, 
right? Right. Oh my gosh, guys. It is, Danielle is going down a deep rabbit hole that is going to be well worth it. Tell me what you think it's going to be like. Uh, I think it's going to be like cereal meat. No, I've actually <gasps> never listened to that. <laughs> <laughs> the cereal of understanding uh, evangelical publishing in the 90s. and Yeah, it's true crime, but make it spiritual warfare. Right. Yeah. You know, because we're doing Frank Peretti, y'all. Mm-hmm. We're doing Frank Peretti. And I'm seriously considering calling the series A Demon Under Every Doily. Okay, because we're talking about this present darkness, possibly piercing the darkness. I am slogging through these books. They were like a lot of words Um, and they were highly inappropriate for like 10 year old me to be reading, to be perfectly honest. Um, But wow, lots to dig into there. You don't have to have read the books to enjoy this podcast because Christmas not rereading them and he doesn't remember them at all. So it's going to be great. And I think we're actually going to start to interview people, which is something we haven't done before. So. Right. For the podcast. It's going to be great. Door in the Dragon's Throat, which was Frank Purdy's kid's book, uh-huh. was the limit for me. It was just too scary. You know, we might actually have to do like a sub episode about one of the Cooper kids books. Mm. Which would obviously be Door in the Dragon's Throat. I still remember that it's based on Revelation chapter 9. It's funny. That was my favorite book growing up as an evangelical kid, but my sister Lindsay loved The Tombs of Anak. Oh, right. Yeah. She said that was scary. Remember the six-fingered man who was a mm-hmm. giant from... The Nephilim. Yeah. Wow. There's so much to cover. So much to cover. I'm very excited about it. So we are plugging away. Thanks to all of the people supporting us on Patreon. So you can go to Patreon slash DL Mayfield, or you can just search for uh, the Prophetic Imagination Station on Patreon and uh, support us. And yeah, if we get a a few more people, we can start to do some of these extra special things. Um, I did want to shout out a few names yeah is that okay so uh yeah just the next few episodes we'll be shouting out people who support us but we want to say thank you to steven carter who we go to church with and we know him he's cool and then connor flan joel park we also love and thank you so much for supporting us we have leah Schilling, noelle young ray deanna edgar i hope i didn't like totally destroy your name and Lisa Scoggins or Scoggins. I'm not sure, hmm. but thank you all so much. We love you. And it means a lot. And, um, yeah, we feel like we're in this weird, not deconstructing, but not fully accepting right. world of, Oh, you know what? We listen, we were watching this documentary about David Bazan the other day. He said, I'm a son of evangelicalism. I was like, huh? I think no matter where you at, like for us, right, we can at least say right. like, I'm a daughter of evangelicalism and mm-hmm. you're a son of it. And here we are. Right. Yeah. And we're talking about VeggieTales. Uh-huh. Uh, so true. Yeah. I was talking to someone the <laughs> other day and they were talking about how our first language of God never really leaves us. And I think it's silly to pretend right, you yeah. can leave it all yeah. behind anyway. So. Yeah. I like to say we're remodeling. We're not deconstructing. Somebody said we were like bashing evangelicalism. I don't think we are. If we do, you guys can tell us and call us out on that. That's fine. Right. Yeah. Anyways, I said something good about something evangelical. So give me a gold star. VeggieTales is pretty easy to say. I feel like they they were like trying to kind of step across bounds. They were like the Amy Grant of children's entertainment well amy grant factors into the frank peretti story and we will get to that so she's a little bit on my shit list except this is a great way to end this podcast which is it's that time of year it's that time of year tender tennessee christmas that time time of year where danielle and i go head to head between tender amy grant's tender tennessee christmas Uh And Stephen Curtis Chapman's... Sexy Christmas. The music of Christmas. All that one. I hate <laughs> no. that one. That's not sexy Christmas for me. No. That just turns me off. Okay? <laughs> yeah, it's seriously... And you don't care, it seems. No, so, right. okay. No. That's great. And if you guys want to go on Spotify, search for Christian Mayfield's Sexy Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's there anymore. I should put it back. <laughs> so y'all can, you know, oh do gosh. what you do. And then we, some... will, we will have to find those pictures of that John Tesh cassette tape specifically right. the back cover which this, i know is what you focused on right <laughs> this is actually a call we could only find a pixelated 
Uh, yeah, who can image. help us? Yeah, so this is a call. If you have the John Tesh album. What's it called? Uh, I I don't know. Christmas John Tesh. Um, but there had know. to be some forewarning no. that it was about him and his wife. Danielle, they were married. I. <laughs> you can <laughs> do that. I still think it would have like really scandalized my parents. He the thing is, okay, so even if you can't find the back, you gotta look at the front cover. What is the album title? Cause look oh yeah, I forgot. Oh, it's called The Romantic Christmas. <gasps> and she he is like this like just, you know, middle aged, like balding guy, and she's like, you know, nineties. What? what is she? 90s sexy with her hand on his chest. She doesn't look that sexy to me, you guys. Well, what I like is the fireplace. <laughs> you think the fireplace? And she has a is nice sexy. fuzzy sweater. Right. So, okay, John Tesh, Romantic Christmas. Look it up. Yep. Try and find an image of the back cover. That's what's really important here. Yep. Send it to us. We'll distribute it. Yeah. Okay. So you can, <laughs> if you still like us after all this, you can find me on Twitter as DL Mayfield. Uh, I'm also on Instagram. We have the Prophetic Imagination on Twitter as well. The PIS. Wait, wait. No. Yeah. Prophetic Imagine. Mm-hmm. And we have an email. So reach out to us. Tell us what you like about Evangelical Christmas. Tell us what you don't like. Tell us if you have any thoughts about Frank Peretti, uh, including the Cooper Kids series. And you can email us at propheticimaginationstation at gmail.com. Yeah. And we will read it. We truly will. And you can find us on Patreon, as we've mentioned multiple times. Mm -hmm. But we check that a lot. And it's really fun to interact with people. Where can people find you? K double underscore Mayfield on Twitter. Um, And also you can just find me through the other streams as well yeah uh well, yeah we thank you guys so much for for supporting this and being excited and we are so excited about the new season we hope you all have a very merry christmas not See, happy holi- wait not should we happy say ha- holidays should we say happy holidays we could say happy okay we hope that you all have happy holidays happy christmas go listen to happy christmas <laughs> yes volume two volume two on best YouTube. one okay for sure and come talk to us about the peace child song in particular right Okay. Till next time. Bye. Bye. This has been an episode of the Prophetic Imagination Station. Check us out on SoundCloud or iTunes and stay tuned for weekly discussions.